0: Right. From deep in the heart of Texas, indeed, we have with us today Molly Ivins, best selling author and syndicated political columnist. She is one of the nation's best known political pundits and author of the bestsellers Molly Ivins Can't Say That, Can She? and Bushwhacked. Molly Ivins is the former co editor of the liberal monthly The Texas Observer and former Rocky Mountain Bureau chief for The New York Times. She's worked for the Houston Chronicle, Minneapolis Star Tribune, and Dallas Times-Herald. Molly Ivins' freelance work has appeared in Esquire, Atlantic, The Nation, Harper's, The Progressive, Mother Jones, TV Guide, and numerous other publications. She's a frequent guest on network radio and television shows. She's been a Pulitzer Prize finalist three times and has won numerous journalism awards. Currently, Molly Ivins has a collection of her Irreverent observations of the dog and pony show of American politics collected as Who Let the Dogs In? Incredible political animals I have known. Molly Ivins, welcome to Radio Parallax.
1: Oh, thank you. What a great name.
0: <laughs> You're the first person that's, uh, that's got it.
1: <laughs> One of my favorite, favorite
0: metaphors. Oh, excellent. Your bio reveals that you speak Spanish. I once heard that Paul Harvey alleged that while George W. Bush was in Mexico, he conversed with Vicente Fox in Spanish. Uh, but you re- reveal in your book, however, that W. once said in a debate, no es el verdad, with uh, <laughs> la verdad, of course, being correct for that's not right. So do you have any doubts about the president's uh, diplomatic uh, standard Spanish?
1: <laughs> I think it's one of the myths about Bush that Karl Rove, really deserves a medal for. He got the press to swallow the idea that George W. speaks Spanish and nobody checked. It was just, it was just, I've never seen the press so credulous, so simple-minded. You know, Bush, Bush speaks like Spanish, too.
0: (laughs) Pasame el pan.
1: (laughs) There's no way you could have a conversation in Spanish.
0: Well, your introduction to Who Let the Dogs um, In notes that um, you think politics matters to every American in more ways than most guests, and um, though you understand why people are cynical about politics, you feel a duty to sound a trumpet. Now, given your success with Bushwhacked, and, and Molly Ivins can't say that, uh, can she, plus the popularity of what we're seeing with Al Franken and Michael Moore doing, uh, do you see America being shaken from
1: political apathy? Yeah, well, I do think that there is a growing sense of concern that something is wrong here. Um, and of course, as usual uh, <laughs> people blaming it on all kinds of unlikely things. Something is wrong. I don't know. It must be his fault. No, nope, it must be his. Uh, but I think we are uh, getting the sense that it's not going terribly well.
0: You, you think that uh, politics and journalism are things that you care about very much. Um, and with what you've seen covering campaign 2004, what are your odds of uh, Bush Cheney being reelected?
1: Hmm. Well, now, I guess we could do the horse race thing. Uh, It's a terrible secret among political reporters. Uh, We bet on politics. I make money betting on politics. Excellent. The reason I do is because I'm much too smart to put any money down uh, any closer than six weeks out from Election Day. And I think anybody who does is an (laughs) income poop. I would no more call a political race uh, this far out than I could fly. And I think all the people you listen to on television confidently predicting one thing or another are just uh, not worth the price of admission. Um, I Bush is beatable. It's very clear that he's beatable. Uh, but I think I, I think Kerry's going to have to make a case for himself.
0: You you voted for Nader in 2000, but you noted that Texas was going to go for Bush no matter what. Do you have any words uh, for people who, who are looking for Nader this year?
1: Don't think, neither, if you live in a swing boat, a um, swing state. I just, I just think that that would be irresponsible
0: beyond belief. Well, now you've been writing about George W. Bush since at least 1989, from what I can see in uh, in in your book. Right. And uh, while you make it clear you don't hate the man and never have, you've noted his shortcomings from rather early on. No, uh, uh, so-
1: I'm proud of the fact that I spotted the fact that George W. had many weaknesses long before most people had ever heard of him.
0: Well, we would like to give you a chance, a moment, to be able to say to the nation at large, I told you so.
1: (laughs) It was the most annoying thing any human being can ever say. But I was tempted last time when my writing partner and I, Lou DuBose, did bushwhack after he'd been president for two years. And we were really tempted to start it by saying, if y'all had read our last book, we wouldn't have had to write this one.
0: (laughs) Well, you're entitled. Um, one thing I want to ask someone who's been an observer of Texas politics, I've never had a chance to till 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 this moment, that early on election night 2000, uh, Ann Richards, who Bush narrowly defeated for governor, said she was worried about what the Bushes might pull. Something very much to that effect. That seems sort of prophetic in the wake of, of what transpired to many. And I have to ask you, did he win fair and square when he surprised uh, Governor Richards down in Texas? He
1: did, in 94. There's okay. no question about it. Yeah. Um, I mean, I don't think it, it occurred to anyone. Um, among other things, Ann, Ann ran a very poor campaign. I, I don't think she wanted to get reelected. She was just exhausted. You know, it was a god gazing guns election. It was, it was unpleasant and nasty.
0: In your columns, you've talked about the alliance between country club Republicans and fundamentalist Christians. You also quoted in one of your columns, Lyndon Johnson is noting that the civil rights efforts that he was embarking upon would take generations to achieve while costing the Democrats the South. Do you see any sign that the South is swinging away from conservatives and Republicans?
1: Mm, it's generally considered pretty seriously red part of the country these days, the, the uh, old solid cell. And I think it's too facile, it's too easy just to say, well, all the racist to the other party, you know, they all used to be Democrats. And they just haven't moved over and that explains the whole thing. I don't think, I think it's much more complicated than that. And um, not that I think we are past race, I think that's a an, an, uh, silly uh, thing to even argue. Uh, We're very, very visibly or not. Uh, nevertheless, I think the politics of the, of the South, like the politics here in Texas, you, you have a tremendous fundam- uh, fundamentalist surge of organized activities by conservatives. Christians for the first time, um, they really did all the grassroots work in taking over the party here in Texas. Uh, and the year they triumphed was the year that Bush was uh, nominated for governor, largely on his old man's last name, um, because the the elder Bush comes out of the country club conservative wing rather than the Christian right wing. And at that Fort Worth Republican convention, state convention in Fort Worth that year. Uh, you could see the Christian right just rise up and seize the party. Um, And it scared a lot of the old country club conservative people. Karl Rove and Bush, I think, to their credit, saw the opportunity there. And what they did in his six years as governor that was pretty impressive was they straddled that divide between the country club conservatives and the uh,
0: uh, evangelical Christians. No Democrat has taken the White House from the North since JFK in 1960. Any, any words on John Edwards and the Southern strategy?
1: Well, I think it'll be interesting. I don't think that was necessarily a play for uh, any particular state. I guess they're hoping he can, he can hold his home state, but I don't think they think it's going to work anywhere else. No, I think he's a national plus, a national asset. Um, it's kind of interesting. I can't wait to see him stacked up against Cheney. Yeah. I mean, there's John Edwards who never quit smiling and Dick Cheney who's never tried it. <laughs> I mean, that'll be absolutely fascinating. That sunny, funny personality, Dick Cheney. He's our man. Um you know, last week he let fly with the F word at uh, United right. States Senator. <laughs> and afterwards he felt he he said he felt much better after he'd done it. And my reaction was, well, good. Anything that keeps Dick Cheney his usual chipper self is fine by me.
0: Well, last question. We're just about out of time. Um, one of your columns I especially liked was when you mentioned you regret a piece you did on Mo Udall in 1976 the New York Times. You were, you were hard on Udall and observed that Johnny Apple did a puff piece on Jimmy Carter. And you were sad the two men were not judged by a single standard. Uh, can you comment on the standards of journalism then and now?
1: Well, I, that was an interesting case, and I'm glad I got to make a public apology for that. I thought I was doing the right thing. I thought I was being, you know, the complete professional journalist, and I was going to crawl over this guy's record, and I was going to find the dirt, and I was going to get everything. And I thought that was what I was supposed to do. And um, it turned out that I missed the real story, which was that Mo Yiddell was one of the most exceptionally decent people who was ever in American politics. And, they, you know, sometimes you do that I mean, missing you missing the forest for the trees. It's a um, good thing to be able to go back and say you were wrong. Yeah. The bush people should try it occasionally.
0: Molly Ivins, we're out of time, unfortunately. I've got to turn you back over, but, but thanks so much for speaking with us. Hope we can talk to you again. I enjoy it. All righty. Molly Ivins, she's something else, and we'd like to thank, uh, by the way, Chuck Monroe from Newman Communications, who's been continuing to help us bring you, the listening audience, some, um, you know, some towering figures of the American political scene. I've been saving a Molly Ivins column to read to you. It is available in Who Let the Dogs In? Uh, this was from the Utney, uh, the Utney Reader. I just wanted to read one paragraph from this. According to Molly Ivins, here's how we make progress in Texas. Two summers ago, Governor Rick Goodhair Perry, the man has a head of hair every Texan can be proud of, regardless of party, appointed an Enron executive to the Public Utilities Commission. The next day, Governor Goodhair got a $25,000 check from Ken Lay. Some thought there might be a connection. The Gov was forced to hold a press conference at which he explained the whole thing was, quote, totally coincidental, unquote. So that was a big relief. You know, if we'd had a few more minutes with Molly, I would have liked to have asked asked her about uh, some of the other dogs uh, she's been associated with. Tom DeLay is a guy I would like to pick Molly Ivins' brain about. There's currently an article in Vanity Fair, the July issue, all about uh, the most powerful man in the House of Representatives, Majority Leader Tom DeLay, former Houston exterminator. Um... Tom delays a piece of work, but we'll have to return to him another day with uh, someone else to talk about him. Another person I would have liked to have uh, bounced off her was Charlie Wilson. Charlie Wilson was a Texas congressman who, along with a rogue CIA agent, along with a rogue CIA agent, uh, got behind the operations to fund the Mujahideen in Afghanistan. You know, the operation that trained Osama bin Laden. There's currently a best-selling book out by George Kreil t- titled Charlie Wilson's War. We're going to talk about that in the show um, as soon as I read it. And another guy I would have liked to bounce off Molly Ivins was Paul Bagala, who's a Democratic Party op- operative, fellow Texan of Molly's, and uh, another funny guy. I did want to quote uh, <laughs> one little paragraph from his book, Is Our Children Learning?, based on a presidential quote from George W. Bush. This is from Chapter 3 of Paul Begala's book. This is written, by the way, as Bush had entered the presidential campaign in 1999. Given how little the governor of Texas can do, and how badly Governor Bush has done it, it's no wonder Bush is touting his record as a businessman. But for Bush to claim he's been a success in business is like one of those early NASA chimps claiming he flew in outer space. He may well have been along for the ride, but his hands weren't exactly on the wheel. (laughs) I think that does it for our second segment today. Stay tuned for our third and final segment where we'll be talking with Darcy Donovan, an aspiring and upcoming actress on the Hollywood scene. I'm Douglas Everett. You're listening to Radio Parallax. And this is KDVS, 90.3 FM, Davis, Sacramento.